the way that you think, feel, and choose is unique to you, and no one else can build the thought that you've just built right now. It's unique to you. Join Kenneth and Gloria Copeland and Dr. Caroline Leaf as they discuss how understanding your identity in Christ helps you make healthy decisions with life-producing purpose. Next, on The Believer's Voice of Victory. Hello, everybody. I'm Kenneth Copeland. Welcome to The Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast. Let let me encourage you uh, today to get the notes. Download the notes, kcm.org slash notes. And you'll have the, all, all of the outlines, all of the scriptures, and the, the uh, talking points from Dr. Leaf. And, and, and we're, we're studying, of course, from her new book, uh, Think, Learn, and Succeed. And so, well, one thing, you want to get the book, praise God. But the, 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 um, the outlines and the notes will help you follow along. And then you'll have that, those study outlines on the broadcast. Then you can go to the book. Then you can go to the Bible. Praise God. Father, we thank you today for this broadcast. And we give you praise and honor for every word that's spoken in the name of Jesus. Amen. Join me and Gloria today in welcoming Dr. Caroline Leaf to this, to this broadcast. Gloria, you are just stunning today. I haven't seen that. He acts like he just now noticed in 55 years. No, you you have not had this in five years. I would have known it. I was kidding. I said in 55. Is that how long we've been You sure had not had that in 55. (laughs) (laughs) That's a beautiful blouse is what I'm trying to tell you. Thank you very much. You look pretty sharp yourself. Well, thank you very much. You've got these nice shirts. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Lord. Amen. <laughs> Let's read our text from 2 Timothy 1 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power mm-hmm. and of love and of sound mind. Now, I'm, this, oh, this book, <laughs> I love it. Be not therefore ashamed. That's his very next statement. Be not therefore ashamed. God, he's saying to Timothy, this young pastor, and can you imagine a young man pastoring Jesus' mother? (laughs) And they're saying, he's just a kid. Yeah, but God placed him there. Amen. And he's got the Apostle John in his church. Whoa. (laughs) Anyway. God has not given you, he's talking to Timothy now, God has not given you, boy, a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power. He's given you a spirit of love and a sound mind. So therefore, don't be ashamed. Boy, that stands up and talks to you, doesn't it? It does, totally. And that's just right down the line of of what you're talking about. Exactly. When when you allow yourself shame and, and... and 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 self put down. Uh, people have the idea that to be 
in humility is to put yourself down. That's not Bible humility. The scripture doesn't say debase yourself. It says think of others more highly than you do of yourself. Well, you should be thinking soberly uh, Mm. of yourself, according to Romans chapter 12. That's really good. As God has dealt to you the measure of faith, you have a measure of the same spiritual force that put the planets in their place. Glory to God. The moment you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you don't have any business being ashamed about anything. Everybody's fouled up, screwed up, messed up. There's only one man that didn't. And they killed him on account of it. So, but thank God that living Christ is inside your spirit. And if you'll give him the tools to work with, he'll renew your mind. And shame becomes a thing of the past. And you walk free, glory to God, by his blood. Beautiful. Amen. Get us back into this thing, Carolyn. So what you just linked into what you've just said, when I worked with my patients, which I mentioned yesterday on the broadcast, that I practiced clinically for 25 years, and I'd work with patients that were broken, broken. I also work with people with a lot of brain damage and learning problems and that kind of thing. And everyone had been telling them all the time that they were had problems. So the constant message over, spoken over their life was they can't or this is wrong. And so it's so it was so sad. Then they would walk into my practice with this complete lack of identity, this shame of um, it's hopeless. There's, it, uh, you're just going to tell me more things that are wrong with me. You know, that was kind of the mindset when they walked into my practice. So what I decided to do very early on when I practiced was to first talk about people's identity let them see the power of their uniqueness. Let them see the power of who they are and understand that there's something that they can do that no one else can do. Mm-hmm. Let them get a glimpse into the power of the mind of Christ. Now, I worked with all populations, so I didn't use the scriptures in my teachings, but I'm talking God's science, so it's God's stuff anyway. So it, it was, it was, So I would use the terms of science. I would show images. But the concept was to, to tell a person to help a person see that, you know, you, you mean something, that you there matter. is hope. Because they would come in with such conflict. Now, as soon as you strip someone of the identity, they lose their purpose, they lose meaningfulness. And Viktor Frankl is a great example of this. He was the, the, the Jewish psychiatrist and neurologist who was in the concentration camps for three years. And he developed a whole form of psychotherapy when he came out of the concentration camps based upon this one concept of identity gives purpose and hope and recognition of that you can strip everything else from me. The world can collapse around me, but you cannot take me. And he said that the ones that survived, the people that survived were the ones that had got a glimpse into that or who coped in, maybe didn't always survive the whole way through, but coped and were able to help others and reach out to others. They had this sense of identity. And I've been to, I don't know if you've been to the, the concentration camps at Auschwitz, I've been there. And when you walk through there, the whole place is designed to strip people of their humanity, mm-hmm. to dehumanize, take away identity. It's, it's, un, it's unbelievable. You can't come out of there without being completely experiencing the brokenness and the coldness. And that's what I saw, levels of that in my patients. So I decided from day one, when someone walked into my practice, the first thing I would do would teach them how to find their identity. I would let them talk and express their pain 
and tell me where they were at so that they felt heard. People don't feel heard. We've got to listen to people and really listen with all our heart. And then to show them, hey, you can do something that no one else can do. And I developed a profile that took me seven hours to administer in my practice. But I simplified that down to an initial very short like summary profile that I would do. Sometimes my patients wouldn't even get out the car. They were so traumatized by the parents taking them everywhere or an adult was just so broken they would just sit on the side of, of the road or something. So I would sit wherever they were. I would sit with them and say, just answer yes or no. There's no wrong answer. And just let's do this little questionnaire. And it's, got, it's all based on brain research and science. There's no wrong answer. All I'm trying to understand is your identity, who you are, how you uniquely think, how you uniquely feel and how you uniquely choose. Because the way that you think, feel and choose is unique to you and no one else can build the thought that you've just built right now. It's unique to you and it's got, it's, it's got a, an, an eternal spark in it that's going to transform your brain, create matter and transform the world. So I'd come in with that level and they would always inevitably say, please, let's start. You know, and I would do the little profile, I would print out a little graphic and I would say, okay, this is how you think and how you feel and how you choose. They would transform in an instant. They would say, oh, can we do a longer one? Within a few moments, I would have that person eating out of my hands. We would build a relationship. What did I do? I simply gave them an insight look into their identity. And I spent my first few sessions with my patients teaching them about the power of the mind to change the power of reality. We didn't even touch on their issues. Because I thought, well, let's first see who are you. Let's first peel off all this this debris and all this toxicity and get down to the core of your identity. Let's give you purpose and hope. Because when you're in that position, now you have a resilience and a strength and you, you your brain is transformed. Your neurotransmitters are changing the way they flow. Your blood chemistry has changed. You've activated genetic switches that are going to um, help you increase your resilience. You're going to have a very, your brain is wired for love. So all the activation of love is occurring on a neurophysiological level by this stage. So now you're much more open to say, why do I have that inner conflict? Why am I battling with this? Now we're in a position here where we can address this because now this toxicity is no longer their identity. This is their identity. And they realize that this has come through life experiences, the human condition. As you quite rightly said, we all go through stuff. We all make mistakes. We all experience stuff. I call it category one and category two. Category one, toxicity is the bad choices we make, and we all do it. Category two is the traumas of life that we can't control. We can't control the events and circumstances of life. But there is something that we can control in both of category one and category two of toxicity, and that is our reactions. Mm -hmm. But if you mm -hmm. don't know that your identity is one of power, if you don't know that there is actually hope, if you don't realize that, that your unique way of thinking, feeling, and choosing is wired for love, and that's not your destiny, you get stuck in toxicity. People lose, they get into shame. Now that scripture says you do not have to be ashamed. If you know that you have a love, power, and a sound mind, you don't have to be ashamed. You can take this stuff, bring it into reality one step at a time, and deal with it. So in other words, from a position of power, from a position of soundness, from a position of love, you now have the strength to deal one by one with these issues and work through rewiring your brain based on rewiring, I mean, re re renewing your mind and accessing the power of love to do that. It's, it doesn't fail. And those techniques, I, those, that very complex profile that, I mean, never had a dry, dry eye in the, in the studio, in my practice. We would have boxes of tissues because the realization to tell someone who's always been told that that's it, 
That's the, that's the model. You're broken. You're a broken machine. Learn to live with it. I was trained to teach my patients to compensate. I never taught my patients to compensate. I taught them identity, and I taught them how to cope and how to deal with the realities of life. And all of that I put in my materials, and I developed this profile early on in my practice. I broke it up into simple versions, and one of those parts is in this book, a really simple version that's in the middle part of this book called the gift profile because it is a gift. It's a gift from God to know that you are as unique. Unique means standalone. Each of us is a standalone designer babe. It is a gift from God. It's you a can, gift. You're not going to get it from anybody. No, else. it's a gift from God. He's the only one that loves you that exactly. much. <laughs> and, and, and planned, and I know the plans oh, I have isn't that for good? you. That so that design, so if, you, if you give someone that revelation, it transforms people from, I would see people in totally poverty-written Poverty-ridden environments, socioeconomic, political environments in South Africa. I worked in the apartheid era, in the schools, in before and during and after. I grew up in that time, and I chose early on in my career to go in and to work with people that no one, if you're white, you didn't come out of those areas alive. I came out alive. I'm here. For 25 years, three days a week, faithfully, I would go into those areas and work with those people. I could drive in there nine months pregnant. I've had four kids, and I would have an escort in, escort out. No one touched me. Why? Because I brought a message of hope. Mac used to build homes for those people. And I used to go with my teams and we used to go and teach them about the power of your mind, the hope, the identity. This is what you can do. This is how you learn. This is how you build memory. This is how you can transform yourself and your community. We had one young girl one day. This is the most amazing story. I was teaching this. I would have hundreds of people that would just flock all over from the community. We used to use the schools. And they would sit there for hours, five, six, seven hours. They wouldn't move. These were starving, hungry, broken people. They didn't move. They would flock all over. They'd pouring out of the, the doors just to hear this message. And one, young, one day, one young girl was brought to the front. She came creeping in, and she was bleeding. We thought it was her menstrual cycle, but it wasn't. She had just been raped. And she was, she was not going to miss Dr. Leaf's session. This was the determination, the perseverance, the mindset that, this, that, that had been created in that environment. She crept into that, that, that classroom. The, the teachers pulled her aside. We stopped everything we, you know, to address the situation. She told us what had happened, and she said, I'm not leaving. We wrapped her in a blanket and she sat by my feet the entire five hours. I mean, I get tearful just thinking about it. That's the kind of thing that transformed and drove me to continue my research, to get a message to the world that when you understand the power of your mind to create realities, when you understand that bad stuff happens, but you can, there's a way of coping. When you understand the need for love, entanglement, that we as a humanity are designed to support and help each other, and when we pull together as a community on a, on a small scale and translate that globally, we transform the world. Can you imagine if each and every human, human operated in their love identity? We wouldn't have wars. Wars, crime, racism, all these things are coming from people's lack of identity. Mm -hmm. You don't fight for someone if you know who you are. If you know who you are, you become humble and loving. Look at Jesus, the perfect model of how we're supposed to function. The most humble, the wisest, the perfect, the, the model and of the perfection. And the most powerful. Yeah. The model of perfection of how when we understand our identity, we can transform global communities. You know, and that's my desire is to try and show people not you bad, you've got to do this, this, follow this rule. It is to show you, let's talk about who you are. Hurting people hurt others. Hurting people make bad decisions. <clears throat> and if we can teach people their identity, it transforms how they make decisions. Caroline, there was a man um, many years ago, back before and during the, the uh, era of the Great Depression here in the United yes. States. And he was tried and convicted and sent to prison for life. 
Mm-hmm. Any, I, I don't know enough about, I know a lot about the man's testimony that I read from, but I don't know a whole lot about the background of Dad Trueblood. Mm-hmm. But he, he got hold of the principles of love mm-hmm. in that prison. Vital, vital. Mm-hmm. And he began to teach other inmates the same principles that that we're discussing. Now mm-hmm. he he never had the blessing to have a book like this. He just the Lord just gave it to him. He just gave and, it. And and he began mm-hmm. to teach those guys, and he he taught them right down the the line of the that that love is the key. It's the key. And you have the love power to forgive. And he kept teaching these guys. Beautiful. Well, he he got on up in years and he had he had been so instrumental in the in the changing of of men's lives in that in that penitentiary for all those years. That they, the the warden, and and they they got together, and and secured a pardon for him. Wow! And and they they said, "You're, uh, Dad, you're free." Wow! You, he said, "I'm, I'm really free." They wow. said, "Yeah, you're a free man." And and he said, "Well, if I'm a free man," he said, "And I can I can do whatever I want to do, can I?" They said, "Yes." He said, "Here's my request. I don't want to leave." Wow. I want to live here. And carry on doing what he's doing. He said, I, I, I have a, God's given me a ministry here. And he said, uh, I've, this is where my life is. And if, with your permission, I'd like to live here. And they granted it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You see, love wins. Love always, the perfect love conquers fear. All that, everything you're saying, and that, that you know, you talk, spoke about teaching in a maximum security prison just recently. I've done that too, quite a few times. We, have, I wonder if you were the same one. There were also about 800 guys locked up for life, terrible crimes. And I remember I taught these principles. And when I walked in, I mean, I'm a woman, so there's always those issues of they look at you very differently. And I remember when I walked up thinking, wow. And I remember there was this metal thing at the back, like a little cage thing. And we were, I had all these security officers, and they said, officers, and they said um, around me, and they said, if anything happens, we're going to just grab you, throw you in there, lock you up, and then you know get everyone out, and then take you out. So this is like the most casual thing. I'm thinking, oh, okay, <laughs> you know. Now I'm walking in here, and I've got this, these armed guards, and I've got this big cage thing that they're going to lock me in if necessary. And um, so I'm thinking, okay. Okay, well, let's just go beyond that and walk into life. And I just started teaching these principles. And I just taught for, I think it was a couple of hours. It was boiling hot. And, you know, you have to dress up, like cover everything when, you, when you're a woman in these prisons and so on. Um, after two hours, there wasn't a dry eye. Every single guy was on their knees. I didn't even do any kind of salvation thing. I just taught them about love and the science of love, the power of the mind. I walked out of there. They were... They were there wasn't a dry eye. 800 men were on their knees crying. And as I walked out, when I walked in, there was this, you know, you're a woman, what can you do? You, you just know all these terrible thoughts. And when I walked out, there was just love. You could tangibly feel that love. Oh, yeah. That prison now uses my materials. They teach each other. There's a whole group of them. They do the Bible studies. They do all these teachings. And it's not one prison. It's multiplied to 
we keep getting these emails of I don't all this multiplication that I didn't even the seed that was sown is multiplying. Mm. You know, that's the purpose of what we're here for is to get love. Because mul love multiplies. It's the seed that never stops multiplying. And when we sow it correctly, it will never stop. So I also teach on the science of love, which is vital to understand how that works too. So we can have long conversations well, talk about, about this. Well, talk about the science of love for a few more. We've got about three or four minutes. So, so essentially, love, this, from the scientific angle, we see that as humanity. Now, we can see each other. We can see physical. We can see that is the, the 1%, what we can see. We can go inside our bodies and there's brains and there's hearts. and We can go inside those and find cells. We can go inside cells and find... So we can keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. All of that exists. As you look at me, all of the, and each other, all of that exists. We can also go down to an even lower level, which is your subatomic level, which then gets into the world of quantum, which means energy. It means packets of energy. Nothing weird. God is the source of all energy. So God is energizing all of it. So at our most and fundamental love. and he is love. He so is love. he is love. So what they find, and that's based exactly on what you said, and they scientists say that word, God is love. So they say at the most fundamental level, we as humanity are waves of love. Love waves. So we have this, we're generating this love wave. So you have yours, I have mine, I can't take yours, you can't take, but we are, uh, we, we, in, we intersect. So it's not, and, and, and we live more than that. We're immersed in this gravitational force, and some Nobel scientists won the Nobel Prize for their work on quantum gravity, and that quantum gravity that we're immersed in are waves of love. And Sir Roger Penrose, I mentioned the other day, has done the mathematical <coughs> calculations showing that we're immersed in love. And all this love, they talk about it being potential. They use a fancy word called Aristotelian potential. Aristotle was a Greek philosopher, and he spoke about the potential humanity has to do good and to do evil. So they talk about how we're immersed in the potential of love. So we waves of love. We're enhanced by each other's waves or broken when we're in toxicity. We mm -hmm. can get damaged. So you can imagine these you know, waves like this from here. This is healthy waves. This is toxic waves. And we're immersed in waves of love. So when we make healthy decisions, when we think, feel, and choose correctly, when we operate in our powerful mind, our sound mind, our normal default mode, we add more love into the universe, into the world around us. Heaven is at hand. The, 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 the universes that, that we live within, and it's a big concept, but they don't run parallel. They intersect. We are intersecting. We intersect with heaven all around us. So when we step into the love zone, we're intersecting with heaven. We're stepping into wisdom. We're stepping into the potential of wisdom, and that is why we have to live lives of love in order to access that power and utilize it correctly, or we will abuse it and make wrong decisions and produce toxic fruit like war, like disease. Disease comes from man constantly through the generations distorting our genes. That's where disease comes from. God only makes good stuff. But when you distort the good, you get bad. So, you know, there's, there's, we create stuff. We, that power is creative force. We talk about that throughout the Word of God. It's spoken about the fruit of your, of your work, etc., etc. There is fruit. There is consequence. There is reality. We create matter with our mind. And the science of love shows us that the normal is love. That's the normal. So, therefore, we are wired for love. We live in love in the potential to actualize that. But we learn to fear. So we have to learn to do this. We have to learn to distort the truth through wrong choices.
through all and three wars. And that comes down from parent to child, from parent to child. It goes through the generations. The, yeah. generation, the sins of the father will reach through to the third and fourth generation, but we're not responsible for our father's sin. So, but what does happen is it comes through the DNA and it passes through the sperm and the ova. And then it passes through the thoughts. And as you're speaking, you influence people's thoughts and that passes through. So we, it passes through the generations. But fortunately, whatever comes through toxic-wise from previous generations is wrapped up like sealed. So our stuff we've all inherited from the toxic thinking of our parents and grandparents and generations back, which has created mutations in our own bodies, which has increased our vulnerability to disease and to brokenness in our bodies. That is, that is all sealed and less activated. Now, here's your faith principle in action faith being love, etc., and, and the connection, is that you can, to the power of your mind, think of power, that we have mind, the power of the mind of Christ, and think of the faith that you constantly teach the two of you. When we are, when we, through what we think with our powerful minds, if we think, oh, there's always been um, heart attacks in our family, so therefore I can get a heart attack. Oh, there's Alzheimer's in our family. I may get Alzheimer's. Oh, we've always had alcoholics in our family. Or whatever, you activate you wake up something that's... Hold dormant. that thought. <laughs> I mean... I'm is up. I'm going to hold it. Right there. Capture the thing. Till tomorrow. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And remember, Jesus is Lord.